I'm Donica Contour, and this is Naptime Devotionals, Episode 54, A Voice of Gladness for the Living and the Dead, Studying Doctrine and Covenants, Sections 125 through 128. Welcome to Naptime Devotionals, a Come Follow Me study for busy moms. I'm your host, Donica Contour. I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm a wife. I'm a mom. I'm a daughter of God, just trying to get home, and I hope that something I say here today will help you on your journey home, too. Hey, so... This week, I hope you can hear me, I've got the baby with me, as always, and I'm trying to hold him in a place where he can't reach the mic, but it still can reach my face. (laughs) So I'm working with a very uh, specific amount of distance here. So we're officially in November. Does it feel like 2020 took like 400 years, but 2021 like flew by because I'm having a hard time believing it's already November. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I am 100% ready for Christmas. (laughs) So excited for Christmas. Okay. Don't get me wrong. I love myself some Thanksgiving as well. Um, especially Turkey, mashed potatoes, hanging out with family, getting fat and happy, but Christmas is where it's at. Um, and this year we might be driving to go hang out with my parents for Christmas. We we will see. So let's jump into this, though. Oof. We've got. Um, I'm gonna do it. We're just gonna we're just gonna do it. Um, usually I go through and I try to figure out. Okay, you know what are we learning about God and Christ from this? Um, what are we learning about the plan of salvation from these scriptures? And then how do we apply this? And my son drew all over it. So my notes are kind of (laughs) useless. He did it all in the same color highlighter I did. So we're just going to go for it. Um, We're going to jump with the first one I highlighted. Oh, the first one I highlighted, which he just knocked down to the floor. Thanks, buddy. Is in Doctrine and Covenants 127. And it's verse two, right at the very beginning. I didn't do the entire verse, um, but I'm going to, oh my goodness gracious. Okay. Very professional today. I'm going to read you what I do have. (laughs) I hope you have um, your earbuds down for this one. Okay. As for the perils, which I am called to pass through, they seem but a small thing to me. As the envy and wrath of man have been my common lot all the days of my life, and for what cause it seems mysterious, unless I was ordained from before the foundation of the world for some good end, or bad, as you may choose to call it, judge ye for yourselves. God knoweth all these things, whether they be good or bad. Nevertheless, deep water is what I am wont to swim in. Okay? And then he goes on to say, For to this day has the God of my fathers delivered me out of them all, and will deliver me from henceforth. For behold and lo, I shall triumph over all my enemies, for the Lord God hath spoken it. Can we just take a minute to appreciate the faith that Joseph Smith had here? That's who's speaking. It's Joseph Smith. And I love the idea... like. I mean, we definitely see in different chapters 
um, last week especially, some like, where are you? Why me? Why this? Why has it got to be so hard? Um, but I think that we all kind of go through that. Um, and I think when we turn to Heavenly Father and we let him speak to us and chastise us and kind of like, this is why, because my son had to go through this because you need this. I know it doesn't seem like that. And I know this is miserable, but I promise this will be for your good. Um, and I love what Joseph Smith says, deep water is what I am want to swim in. Um, and I love that idea that Okay, so I was a swimmer in high school. I say this, I swam for like two years in high school. Um, and I loved it. It was a lot of fun. However, I was never very fast. But I will tell you something. Um, I also played water polo in high school. And one of the rules with water polo is you cannot touch the bottom of the pool, right? Even if you were in a shallow enough pool where you can touch the bottom of the pool, you cannot touch the bottom of the pool. That's a rule. Um, it's kind of like in soccer. You can't touch the ball with your hands unless you're the goalie. In water polo, nobody gets to touch the bottom of the pool. The end. And a lot of the times you play in like deep water. You're playing in, you know, 10, 12 feet of water. So being able to touch the bottom of the pool is a non-issue. Um, but occasionally you find yourself playing in four or five feet of water. And it actually is pretty hard. Um, because you want to touch the bottom, you want to rest on the bottom because it's right there, but you don't. So I like this idea of stop baby, but here's the thing. So if you are in shallow water, right. And you can technically rest on the bottom of the pool. Um, you, as long as you don't have the ball, I think technically you're allowed to do it as long as the refs don't see, um, <laughs> right. Um, it's only breaking the law if you get caught. Just kidding. That's not, that's not real. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> but, um, I love this idea because when we rest on the shallow end of the pool, when we allow ourselves to rest, when we're in shallow water and we can rest, we don't get strong enough. We don't get as strong as the people. We don't have the same um, amount of endurance as the players who are consistently egg beating. That's what they call it when you're um, treading water. We don't have the same kind of endurance. We don't have the same kind of strength um, as people who act like they're always in the deep water, right? That I can never touch the bottom of the pool. The bottom of the pool is 12 feet away. It doesn't exist. Um, and I love this idea. It really spoke to me, the analogy of deep water is what I am want to swim in right? This is, this is where I'm at. This is what I've been given. Um, it's been my lot in life, right? He says that, um, to be the envy and wrath of man has been his common lot all of his days. And I just love this idea that we can, we don't have to have an easy life to have a faithful life, right? Um, things don't always have to go our way in order for us to trust God. Um, there's actually this scene in, um, Jake and I were talking about it and I could not for the life of me remember where it was from. And I just remembered the other day, I don't know if you've ever watched Dr. Who, um, but there is this one particular episode where this girl is kind of in a forest, um, on a spaceship. You got to watch it. It's a good one, but, um, she is in a forest on a spaceship and she can't open her eyes. 
Um, but she has to act like she can see, right? It's a super complicated thing. But anyway, so the doctor tells her, he says, I need you to trust me. And she says, but you don't always tell me everything. And he says, that's why I need you to trust me. And that scene has always stuck with me because I feel like that's a lot of our relationship with our heavenly father is he needs us to trust him, but he doesn't always tell us everything, right? Because either, um, he, I don't know, he's got his reasons, right? Sometimes we were not privy to all of the information. Um, sometimes what it is, is out of our control. I don't know, but he doesn't always give us all the information, but that's why he needs us to trust him, right? That's that's what trust is built on. Um, Jake and I were talking about it the other day. We've been watching a lot of Josh Gates. Um, what's his show called? <laughs> anyway, um, Expedition Unknown. He goes in search of these different things. Um, he goes looking for Atlantis. He goes... I don't know if you can hear him blowing raspberries over here, but he's a happy baby. So we're going to run with it. Um, anyway. And so he, at one point he goes looking for the cross of Christ. Um, at another point he goes looking for the Ark of the Covenant, right? Raiders lost Ark, right? You know what I'm talking about? Um, where they put the 10 commandments. Um, at another point, oh, what was the other thing? There was some other biblical thing that he went looking for and he was talking about how, oh, it would be such this great archaeological event. You know, it would, it would impact um, religion everywhere and all this stuff, right? And Jake and I were talking about it. He goes, yeah, but do you think, even if it's still here on Earth, right? Assuming that Heavenly Father hasn't taken the Ark of the Covenant um, back up to heaven in the same way he took the, the gold plates... Um, assuming it's still here on earth, do you really think he's going to let anybody find it? Like, that's what faith is, right? Faith is not seeing first. It's believing first, right? That's why we hear that, you know, faith without works is dead. But we also hear that the um, miracles do not precede faith. Faith precedes miracles, right? You have to have faith first. And I feel like in these verses... Joseph Smith is showing his faith. He's showing what he's made of and he's showing that he, he can go the distance, right? He trusts heavenly father. He knows he will overcome his enemies for the Lord. God has spoken it. Now, when he said this, obviously he didn't know necessarily that he was going to be martyred. Um, he didn't, and may, or maybe he did, I don't know. Um, but he obviously at that point, was still alive. And I like the idea that he had the eternal perspective. Um, I think sometimes, and we talked about this a little bit last week, the idea that God can save the saints who were slain, right? That we don't, oh, our life here, our mortal life is this little blip. And sometimes God saves us in our blip. And sometimes he saves us afterwards, right? And eternally. And I think that while it'd be super cool to always be saved in our mortal life, right? To always have things go well here. Eternally is really where I want to cash in. You know what I mean? Like if I'm going to have to have favors, if I'm going to have to be saved, I'm going to want it in the eternal perspective because I, that, that one lasts for forever. Even if I get saved 
mortally here, I am still going to die. Does that make sense? Okay. The next um, verse I wanted to talk about was in 128, verse 5. And he says, You may think this order of things to be very particular, but let me tell you that it is only to the ans to answer the will of God. And this kind of comes back to what we've talked about before, that God's ways are not man's ways. And that's okay. And that's good, right? And I think that sometimes the world looks at the way that the church does things, looks at the way that God asks us to do things and says, that doesn't make any sense. Why are you doing that that way? That's such an old thing to do. That's that's archaic. You're giving into the patriarchy or I don't know, whatever. But God's ways are not man's ways. The last um, verse I wanted to talk about was, um, hi, he talks a lot, okay? He talks a lot in these, um, especially in 128, about baptisms for the dead um, and about how we cannot be saved without our dead, our dead cannot be saved without us, and how there's this symbiotic relationship there. Um, and, whoa, baby, where are you going? And I've been processing a post I really want to do for a while. And I'm still not 100% sure exactly how I'm going to do it. Um, but I know that just because people die doesn't mean that that's the end. I know that they can still see us and hear us and feel us. And I know that we can still feel them, even if we don't see them and hear them in the same way that we did when they were here on earth with us. Um, and I know that this isn't it. We exist beyond this. We existed before this. Like I said before, this is our mortal existence is a little blip um, in our eternal existence. We existed before we're here on earth. We will exist after our bodies are long gone. And for me, that is such a comfort to know that the family I'm building here, the family that I never met, the family that I have lost, um, it doesn't end. That, that's not it. Um, and I just love that our, our religion, our faith, our gospel focuses a lot on making sure that we're doing the work for those of us that have passed on before to make sure that everybody has a chance at um, the gospel. What are you doing, crazy baby? He's like turning into jello baby over here. I think I've got enough time for one more verse before he completely loses it. So I want to kind of jump backwards into 127 verse 4. I'm going to leave you with this one. He says, And again, verily, thus saith the Lord, let the work of my temple and all the temples and all the works which I have appointed unto you be continued on and not cease. And let your diligence and your perseverance and patience and your works re be redoubled. And you shall in no wise lose your reward, saith the Lord of hosts. For if they persecute you, so persecuted they the prophets and righteous men that were before you. For all this, there is a reward in heaven. And again, I love this that we're... <laughs> If we're getting persecuted, if we're getting made fun of, if we're getting called out, whatever, um, by 
other people, by our people we thought that were our friends, people that we thought loved us and knew us and were being ridiculed for our beliefs, for standing by the church, for standing firm in our beliefs in the gospel. Um, we're in good company. <laughs> we're not the first ones that this happened to. This happened to Christ. This happened to Joseph Smith. It happened um, to the disciples of Christ. It happened to the disciples with Joseph Smith. It happened to the apostles. We're in good company here. Um, and I know that Heavenly Father is mindful of us. And I know that he is mindful of our prayers and our hearts and our minds. I know that he, he knows the weights that we are carrying. And I know that when we confide in him and we rely on him, he can help make our burden feel so much lighter. And on that note, <laughs> you saying bye-bye? Bye-bye. 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 <laughs> Talk to you next week.